Welcome to Making America Strong Again, the only program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Join fellow patriots as we rediscover our past, reignite our future, and celebrate America now. Making America Strong Again program. My name is Steve Olds. It's my privilege to be with you today. And over the last several weeks, we have been focused on a leadership series, a series that is very important in our estimation to our efforts toward making America strong again. There are a lot of conversations in the in the world today about leadership, what it really means, who the real leaders are, what their agendas may be. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to spend some time with the leader within each one of us and look at what it is that we do, why we do it. And I believe we need to be passionate about what it is that we do every day. In order to be functional in our daily lives, we have to be moving toward a purpose. Generally, that purpose, when it serves others, is highly motivating. For a lot of people, you know, they get frustrated in life because they are walking through day to day and not necessarily excited about what they're doing. Other people, though, really look for and dive into the things that make them passionate. And when they do that, they begin to uncover the leader within them. And then if they take the advice from many who have come on our program in recent weeks and pursue and develop their skills around leadership, around teamwork, around focusing on big ideas and big goals, whether those happen to be in their local area or perhaps goals that serve the country at large. People can really get excited about that. We've also talked in recent weeks about our veterans. We've talked about the veterans who have made decisions to serve their country and in so doing have developed their own leadership skills. And there are lots of different ways to do that in the military. You may be a veteran. You may live in a home with a veteran. You may have had experience with veterans in one way, shape, form, or another. But today I'd like to focus a little bit on what it means for our military personnel to become leaders in the work that they do. And I'm going to tell you a story about a specific leader, which I'll I'll delve into in a moment, but... I want to begin by helping define a key aspect of leadership. And this leadership aspect is self-sacrifice. And a lot of people who've not been in the service don't really understand how all the rank structures work. And a lot of people think that when you are either an officer or a non-commissioned officer, that that makes you a leader. Well, in effect, a rank simply gives you a position. Becoming a leader is something that happens when you own the responsibility to accomplish the mission and build a team toward that objective. There was an address given to a graduating group in Fort Sheridan, Wyoming. Now, you may never heard of Fort Sheridan, Wyoming, but this address was given by a man by the name of Major Bach, and it was being delivered in 1917. 
Major Bach was addressing this young group of newly minted officers who were about to embark on a very important mission. And if you'll recall, at that time in the United States, we were we were involved in World War One. World War One. Think about that. That was almost a hundred years ago. But Major Bach talked about an important element of leadership, which he called self-sacrifice. And here's what he said in his address. Self-sacrifice is essential to leadership. You will give, give all the time. You will give yourself physically for the longest hours. The hardest work and the greatest responsibility is the lot of the captain. He is the first man up in the morning and the last man in at night. He works while others sleep. You will give yourself mentally in sympathy and appreciation for the troubles of the men in your charge. This one's mother has died, and that one has lost his savings in a bank failure. They may desire help, but more than anything else, they desire sympathy. Don't make the mistake of turning such men down with the statement that you have troubles of your own. For every time that you do, you knock a stone out of the foundation of your house. Your men are your foundation. And your house leadership will tumble about your ears unless it rests securely upon them. Now, Major Bach went on to talk about the impact of the leader on the mission. And the mission gets success when the people on the team work together and believe that what it is that they're pursuing is a righteous objective. Now, obviously, in 1917, Major Bach was focused on one particular mission. He was motivating those troops to step into their own as leaders. And these young officers presumably went off and did just that. Well, that spirit of leadership continues through our military service. And I want you to think about the young men and women who are now serving. Think about the people that you know that have stepped up and volunteered They weren't drafted. They volunteered for service. And I want you to think about any of the people that you know who are young folks that went into service. Do you know anybody who's, say, 20 years old that has volunteered to serve? Perhaps they enlisted in one of the services and have rose through the ranks and perhaps become a non-commissioned officer. Somebody that started at the ground level in the service, in the tough job perhaps in the infantry, somebody that really was focused on serving and doing the hard work. You know any 20-year-olds out there that have done that? There have been plenty. We often talk about our military leaders with respect to the higher-ranking individuals and the older folks in the service. But the fact of the matter is the core element of our leadership is at the ground level, the grassroots, if you will, of military service. And today I want to tell you the story about a 20-year-old who volunteered. A 20-year-old who volunteered to serve his nation when it was clear that his nation needed him. His name was Chris Vars. Chris chose to serve America because it was facing some very challenging times. America had been attacked, and he decided that he would step up. But he was only 20 years old. But Chris stepped up anyway, and he stepped up at a time when it was tough. America was going through some serious challenges, but it wasn't after 9-11, and it wasn't 
after the Iraqi invasion or Afghanistan. It was after Pearl Harbor. Chris Vars enlisted when he was 20 years old when America was in World War II. Chris served in the Army, and he served in World War II in different theaters, including Burma and China. And he did it with valor. After World War II, Chris came home. Chris was awarded seven Rifleman Medals from the Army throughout his career. He did it in a passionate way. He did it because he was a serviceman. He did it because it was the right thing to do. He did it because he was a leader. Chris rose to the rank of sergeant. He became a non-commissioned officer and did a great job. He again enlisted in the service for Korea. America was facing another challenge, and he stepped up yet again. He wasn't married, didn't have any children, and decided that he would go to work again for the United States. He became a sergeant with Company E of the 9th Infantry Regiment, 2nd Infantry Division, and on December 19, 1950, Sergeant Vars was reported missing in action near the Chosin River in North Korea, near the Yalu River. And in 1953, he was presumed dead. For decades, his family had no idea what really happened to Chris. They knew he stepped up. They knew he had served with distinction in World War II. And from everything they could tell, the same was true in Korea. But nobody really knew. If you've ever met a Gold Star family, somebody that has lost a serviceman, or a servicewoman. It is an incredibly painful scenario. I can't even imagine it. I can't even pretend to understand it. I can empathize, but I don't really know what it feels like. But what I do know is that when a Gold Star family is able to bury their loved ones, there is some measure of closure at that moment. It doesn't answer all the questions. It doesn't answer all the reasons why, but at least that part comes to conclusion. For the Vars family, there was no conclusion because Chris was never recovered. So his family, throughout the decades, beginning with his brother, began to search and began to do everything they could to find out what was really going on. And remember, this is 1953 when he was declared dead. So through the years, his brother specifically did everything he could and his brother had a son, a son who is now in the 70s by the name of Charlie. Charlie Vars is a good friend of mine. And unbeknownst to me, since the time I met Charlie back in 2008, there have been a number of things that have developed with his uncle. And we've had several chats about it. We've learned some of the things that, that came about. And in 2012, Charlie and his family got a phone call. They got a phone call because the Department of Defense had found unidentified remains in a mass grave in 2009 in the region where Christopher was reported missing. Those remains had been taken to Japan and then sent to Honolulu to be identified. 
at our facility called the U.S. Army Central Identification Laboratory, who's tasked with the mission to identify those who were missing in action. So Charlie got that phone call, and he and his siblings rapidly supplied a DNA sample so that they could find out if, in fact, his uncle was among the missing that were recovered. When we come back from the break, we're going to get into the balance of the story so you can learn what happened when they got the call from the lab. We'll be right back. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. This is Steve Schwartz with pdgo.com. We've been in business for over 15 years and have created over 1,000 websites for clients across the USA and across the world. We help our clients have a custom, affordable website, and we teach them personally how they can very easily update the information on their websites themselves anytime they want to without being a techie. Take a look at pdgo.com and see samples of our work and testimonials that clients have said about our service. pdgo.com. Again, pdgo.com. At Surf Pro of Vero Beach, no job is too big and no question is too small. So when fire, water, or mold damage strikes your home or business, call on Surf Pro of Vero Beach at 772-770-0501. That's where you'll find a team of specialists that's faster to any size disaster. So when the things that matter most are on the line, make sure Surf Pro of Vero Beach is too by calling 772-770-0501. That's Surf Pro of Vero Beach helping make fire, water, and mold damage like it never, ever happened. Franchises are independently owned and operated. Hi, this is Kelly Fisher, a supporter of the Making America Strong Again mission and your local real estate professional here on the Treasure Coast. It has been my honor to serve our community here in Vero Beach since 2003, and with over 1,500 home sales over the past 21 years, It's my hope that you will consider the Kelly Fisher team at Treasure Coast Sotheby's International Realty for all your real estate needs. It's also our desire that every family has a home and every home has a family. And we have partnered with the Homeless Family Center of Vero Beach to work toward that goal. When you buy or sell a home with the Kelly Fisher team, we will make a substantial contribution toward alleviating homelessness in our hometown. To be a part of this great mission, please call us at 772-321-6905. Welcome back to Making America Strong Again, the program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Once again, here's your host, Steve Olds. Well, thanks for being with us today. I want to Give a quick shout-out to all of our friends who are listening to us on the iHeartRadio network, as well as our PatriotPodcast.com downloads. We appreciate you listening and sharing them with everybody that you know. And today we're delving into leadership from a bit of a different perspective. We're talking about the leadership of our troops. We're talking about the leadership of those young, non-commissioned officers who are working in the field of our armed services to serve in places that are absolutely no fun at all to serve in. We're talking about Sergeant Chris Vars, who served in Korea and was missing in action beginning in November of 1950. 
And if you know anything about the Korean conflict, especially around the Chosin River and the Yalu River or Chosin Reservoir, it was brutally cold. And I mentioned that Charlie Vars, who was Chris's nephew, is a good friend of mine. Charlie is a, is a builder in New Hampshire. He's a master craftsman. And he is a, a passionate man. He's a passionate man that doesn't give up on anything. And in 2009, Charlie and his family got a phone call from the Department of Defense to let them know that they had unearthed a mass grave around the location where they believe Sergeant Vars had gone missing. And so Charlie and his family submitted DNA samples so they could begin the long, painstaking work in Hawaii of determining if, in fact, they had discovered his uncle's remains. Well, over the next three years, Charlie became very active, again, in helping to make sure that regardless of whether the remains were, in fact, his uncle or not, that they could bring to his family the appropriate recognition for his uncle's service. And with help from Congressman Charles Bass, the Vars family was able to receive Chris Vars' Korean Service Medal with three bronze service stars, the Purple Heart, the Good Conduct Medal, the World War II Victory Medal, the National Defense Medal, the Combat Infantryman Badge, First Award, the United Nations Service Medal, and the Honorable Service Lapel Button of World War II. The congressman described Sergeant Vars as a true hero who really symbolizes what has made this country so great. And he said, while the Purple Heart is incredibly distinguishable, it is quite unusual for an infantryman to get three bronze service stars, meaning that Sergeant Vars was apparently on the front line of battle quite often. Leaders step up. Leaders go to the front line. Leaders do what's called when they're called to act. And Sergeant Vars is an example for many, many who will have never heard his name and probably will never hear it again. But he's also illustrative of the men and women who are serving around this nation right now to do the right thing. You may never know their names. You may never even meet anybody who's in the service because we have a much smaller percentage of our population that serve now, especially with the drawdown and the challenges that the service is facing. It takes incredible leadership to stay and serve and obey the commander-in-chief. Sergeant Vars was missing in action since 1950. And as time went by, 2012, the medals were issued. Another three years went by. And in July, Charlie got a phone call out of nowhere. It was a woman with the Department of Defense. And as Charlie tells it, very matter-of-factly telling me that she had wonderful news. Charlie went on to say, the DNA swabs we sent were responsible for positively identifying my uncle's remains. The family also learned that Sergeant Vars had been a prisoner of war after his company was surrounded. It wasn't clear how he died, but in fact he died in the service of his nation. Charlie said it's certainly exciting, but it's also very sobering. So when we think about those men and women who serve, and they serve in a way that is unknown to anybody that's not been on the front lines, and even while I can empathize with what it means to be a rifleman in the Army serving on the ground near the Chosen Reservoir, 
I don't have any idea. I flew jets in the Air Force in Desert Storm. I have no idea what it was like to be an Army man on the ground during that brutally cold winter in such incredible circumstances. God knows. And now many people are going to hear the story of Sergeant Christopher Vars. And they're going to hear the story because there are dedicated men and women serving around the world, especially in Hawaii, at the lab, that do the painstaking work that is never complete. It's the work to identify those who are missing. And sadly, as long as there's conflict around the world, it's likely there will always be missing American men and women who've served. And so, therefore, they do the work. It is 2015, 65 years after Sergeant Vars went missing in action. 65 years. And they never gave up. 65 years is a long time. But that's important. And it's important for the leaders to know, those who are currently serving, those who are thinking about serving, that when it comes to dedicating your life, being willing to put your life on the line for America. There are people who love you, who care about you, who are willing to do the hard work no matter what happens. And even if you should give your life in a combat scenario, people don't quit. The folks in the military didn't quit. Charlie and his family didn't quit. And as Charlie describes it, What was initially supposed to be a simple, somber ceremony when Sergeant Vars was brought home, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit. As we speak, there is a Delta jet on final approach into Logan Airport in Boston. And on the ramp is Charlie and his family. And there's a hearse waiting by the ramp. And along with that hearse... There's going to be a designated officer from the New Hampshire National Guard who will drive several vans with Charlie's relatives and those that are involved in the process. But in addition to those vans, there will also be the Massachusetts State Police and a large contingent of the Patriot Guard motorcycle riders. They'll all be on the tarmac. They're there as we speak. They're waiting for that flight with a hero. The hero on board who's being escorted by other current active duty military members to take him home. The Delta pilot's going to stop short of the gate. He's going to ask everybody on board to remain seated. The honor guard will remove Sergeant Vars, place him in the hearse. And then they'll be escorted to the funeral home where they'll prepare for a full military honor burial. Now, I don't know if you're anywhere near New Hampshire, but I imagine there's going to be a moment in your future, in your town, when a hero comes home, where you have the opportunity to pick up an American flag and perhaps stand on that route of the last journey. And I'd ask you to do it. Do it for the families like Charlie's, who never gave up. Do it for Sergeant Vars, who never quit on his country. 
That, ladies and gentlemen, is what leadership is all about. The last full measure of devotion. When it comes time to step up and lead, think about the people that have gone before and given everything they've absolutely had, including their lives, for you and for me and for future generations of Americans. Thanks for being with us today. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. 